Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletic. This is the Athletic Football Podcast weekend preview with a full Premier League menu and a main course special of the Manchester Derby. How exciting. I'm Michael Bailey. I hope this finds you well. And for this one, we're joined by the athletic trio of your black country friend and mine, Tim Spears. MB, how are we doing? Yeah, very good, thank you. What floated uh, your boat this week, Tim? Oh, oh, well, I'm up for the cup. Enjoyed a week of cup action. Felt very magical last night watching Wolfspeed Brighton 1-0. Magic. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, I love the FA Cup. My favourite and least favourite moments of my football supporting life have come from the FA Cup. It stirs me. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to losing to Coventry in the quarterfinals, <laughs> which will be a new low, I think. That's the way the magic works. Love that. Uh, Joey Derso is here too. Hello, Joey. How, uh, how's your boat this week? Uh, it's all right. I, I'm also very up for the cup, but I felt th- this, this fifth round situation where it's all squished into a midweek, Maidstone United, obviously they got battered against Coventry, but I was sort of barely aware that it was happening. feels like a bit of a damp squib not having the FA Cup on the weekend. I don't like it. They threw it straight on in a Monday and then you had to kind of keep repeating that it had happened through the week to make sure no one had missed it. That was the way that the BBC did that, at least. Anyway, John McKenzie is here as well. Uh, John, are you excited about the prospect of Leeds being back in the Premier League? Yes, I know that it's not actually confirmed yet. You've asked those two about boats. And you didn't ask me. I lived on a boat, you know, for a year in London. I did not know that. I'm a boat expert. Okay, well, how's your boat? I'm not on it anymore, but yeah, it's doing well. It's up for sale right now if you want to buy a boat. Is it in better condition than when you left it? Uh, Yeah, I think so, probably. Well, that does say a lot, doesn't it? Uh, Let's move on to this week's fixtures, shall we? Or this weekend's fixtures, I should say. In our fixture formation, uh, we've got a full complement of 10 games. And we're looking at a 7-2-1 Saturday to Monday uh, shape, which is obviously kind of the the one you want, I think. That's the impression I get. Jose Mourinho was using by the end at Man United, wasn't it? The (laughs) (laughs) 7-2-1. And it worked. Or did it? Probably not. Uh, let's go. Uh, now, we begin with 3pm kickoffs. Uh, so don't go looking for a Saturday lunchtime accompaniment. Uh, those 3pm GMT games are Newcastle hosting Tim Spears Wolves. Big game for Eddie Howe. Uh, aren't they all? Uh, Tottenham against Crystal Palace, which we'll get stuck into later. Nottingham Forest host Liverpool at the City Ground. Will Klopp keep faith with the kids? He'll probably have to. Misfiring Brentford and misfiring Chelsea uh, do West London battle. Everton's first game since their points deduction got a reduction. That's at home to uh, West Ham, which feels like a kind draw. Uh, Fulham against Brighton too. Then we move on to Saturday's 5.30pm clash, which is Luton against Aston Villa on to Sunday uh, which kicks off with one for the purists as Burnley face Bournemouth at Turf Moor that's at 1pm 3.30pm brings the main event as Manchester City host Manchester United before Monday night football as Arsenal travel to the welcoming surrounds of Bramall Lane to take on Sheffield United at 8pm what a menu that is by the way so let's crack on with that big game in Manchester
Always good to start with a reminder, I find. So here's what happened the last time the two sides met at Old Trafford back in October. Bernardo Silva and Haaland had to! Rodri clouted it, Onana reacted, Haaland's onto it and Foden steers it home. Lots of goals! There were lots of goals. Tim, you are Eric Ten Hag for the purposes of this next question. How do you stop the same thing happening again? I've no idea what I'm doing, so no idea. Oh, I'll go back I to be me again. Uh, yeah. Hey. Uh, no, I still don't know what I'm doing. Yeah, that was uh, that was a real non-event. The the uh, reverse fixture, three nil, sort of flattered United. They were a bit of a shapeless mess that day. And it was one of one of City's best performances this season. Uh, they were at their controlling sort of clinical best. I guess the difference between then and now is United have a slightly better idea of what their better team is. Their midfield that day was Ericsson, Amrabat, and McTominay. You imagine that would be completely different tomorrow. Um, Hoyland wasn't scoring at the time. I know he's injured tomorrow, but still. It's hard to make a case because, you know, particularly with the injuries they've got. So the back four against Nottingham Forest on Wednesday night was Dallow, Lindelof, Varane and Amrabat. Uh, Maguire might be back. And he's crucial because there'll be an onslaught. I guess uh, the only sort of case I could make is that the last time we discussed the Man United game on here that we were just widely expecting them to get tranced in uh, was Liverpool away. And they they got a nil-nil draw there. I mean, they conceded the usual sort of 30, 40 shots. Um, but still, they got away with a nil-nil draw. So there's some hope for them, but not much, not much. Yeah, I suppose shapeless mess feels like a words we've used often for Manchester United. And, and the last time I was on here, we were talking about how Rasmus Hoyland has, had found his form. And then he picks up the injury and they they you kind of realise how important he'd been. They do seem like they're missing him. Yeah, Man United are a team who play a style of football which they're going to benefit from having a, a sort of classic number nine at the, at the top of the field. So not having him available and having to shift someone like Marcus Rashford out, out there is not only moving one of their better wide forwards into a central position, but you're also not playing a player who you would necessarily um, would necessarily suit the style of play that they have. So yeah, it's a disaster for them, really. I mean, they, they do find a way, don't they, Joey, United, on occasions, a, a bit like against Nottingham Forest in the FA Cup. Yeah, and against Luton and against Villa, and that you know they've won a bunch of games recently, while often looking pretty bad. Um, and I, I think they're lucky to be sixth in the league. You know they're, they're so poor defensively, they're so open, they give away so many shots, and they've now found this sort of brilliant cluster of really young attackers. So they 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 score some goals. But I I think you know Eric Ten Hag is is on really shaky ground at the moment. They just do not look like a good football team, to be honest. Um, and I don't see them winning. This weekend, yeah, interesting hearing you say that they concede a lot of shots. I think before the Forest game, they'd conceded a hundred shots in the previous five games. Uh, and to put that into context, in the whole season in the Premier League so far, Man City have conceded one hundred ninety-seven. So you're you're talking like conceding a, a ton of chances more than other teams in the at the elite level. And let's not even get started on Arsenal, who just don't concede chances at all right now. It's like a, it's a shot every five minutes, basically. In the last eight, they've conceded one hundred and forty-eight shots. That's 18 every match, one every five minutes. Can anyone make a hipster case for Anana being player of the season? It's an interesting thing, isn't it, that everyone was talking about Anana saving Man United because he would be able to be a ball playing the ball playing goalkeeper that they needed, and actually he's been he's become the new David de Gea because he's he's now super important from a shot stopping point of view because he's having to face so many of them. 
Although they might have still been in the Champions League had he uh, not that is uh, true. intervened there. So that swings and roundabouts, isn't it? <laughs> swings and roundabouts. I mean, there was a period in the Manchester derby when this was all about United. We could talk about all the United players who had scored this many goals against City, and which have you, as it happens now, uh, City have won four of the last five Premier League meetings with United and Erling Haaland. Only Sergio Aguero has scored more goals in Manchester derbies than Erling Haaland for City. Which quick. At least I know it is. <laughs> it's only three games in the Premier League. But of course, I guess City hadn't had that period where they had had such success against United. Uh, it's very different now, though, uh, of course, Tim. And Haaland looks, well, he looks back to his best. After all those doubters, Tim, all those doubters saying he's, he'd lost his way or... Yeah, he's now only up to 79 goals in 83 appearances for Man City. I remember I remember going to this fixture last year and City went 6-1 up and it was it was an, an as an annihilation to be honest. United got a couple of late goals back to to flatter themselves again against City, but it's um ominous is how you describe how they look at the moment. I mean in midweek just Stunning, really. The numbers alone, De Bruyne has already got more assists in the FA Cup than anyone else after one one start. Uh, he's, got, <laughs> he's got more assists this calendar year in all competitions that, than Fernandez, Odegaard and James Madison have got all season. Haaland scored as many goals the other night as Rashford has in the Premier League all season. It's just ridiculous. I mean, this they're, they're sort of doing what Man United used to do, right? They're, they're stepping up in as we approach springtime. And um, yeah, it does look ominous. I, d- I do love the stat that Holland's five goals against Luton means he's the first player to score five or more goals in an FA Cup match for a top flight club since George Best's six against Northampton in 1970. Four De Bruyne assists in there as well, which I think was that's, that never happens. Four assists and four goals by the same person. I think that's the thing, isn't it, Joey, that you've, you've got a well-known axis of two players that have proven that they can just brush everyone aside and they're now hitting their straps but I guess also City will have to be a little bit careful especially with De Bruyne going forwards Yes well with injuries and you know wrapping him in cotton wool and making sure that he makes it to the end of the season that must be a massive priority for them I do want to say that I played Rocket League last night with our good friend Joe Devine and we played on the same team together and I got eight assists in that game so four assists doesn't sound that much and it's only a five minute game as well so what is what's De Bruyne playing at? Aren't you in a car? Yeah that's true yeah and there's like a big cage yeah, but apart from that... Apart from that. Apart from that. It yeah. works perfectly, John. Yeah, I'll thanks. take it, absolutely. <laughs> um, one thing that did, was very sad, I thought, from the week is is the sight of Jack Grealish back on the bench having just re-injured his groin. I think it, it was obviously going to keep looking at it and seeing what to do. Uh, I think this this was discussed on the Athletic uh, podcast in the week as well, so give that a listen if you, if you haven't caught it. But I feel for Jack Grealish because there is a player who is really important to Man City and this season it's just not really happened for him and... I don't know if there's a bit where he'll feel that he's kind of responsible for that, but also maybe it's just external events too. Yeah, and a really important player for Man City as well, Jack Grealish. I think we we talk a lot about how Pep Guardiola is really concerned to control games. Um, and that's really important with when it comes to his, his wide players as well. And at the moment, he's having to field like Bernardo Silva, Phil Foden, uh, Jeremy Doku as, as the wide players, particularly on that left-hand side with Jeremy Doku. We've seen a few games recently where the control simply isn't there in the way that it is when you have Jack Grealish on the field. And they've conceded goals through that channel because they aren't able to either possess the ball uh, safely enough or even press the ball um, when oppositions are building up through it as well so yeah it's it, it's sad to see a, a player who was so fundamental to the treble winning side last season just not not make it onto the pitch and I, I do think that is, that is one of the reasons why City have seemed a little bit more shaky this season as well 
We're going to come on to predictions in a moment. But to mark the special occasion of a Manchester derby, we're going to bring you a bit of trivia. Yes, this is called Who Got the Assist? Manchester Derby Edition. We've picked out, we've, <laughs> we, we, producer Mike, has picked out three famous Manchester Derby goals from the past. And you'll have to guess not who scored the goal, but who provided the assist. So we're going to play the commentary clip to jog your memories. That's very nice of us, I think. Uh, Joey, you've got the first one. So uh, first up, Joey, have a listen to this. Ready? season by Dimitar Berbatov which was good enough but this surpasses it it is absolutely spectacular it's one in a million from Wayne Rooney I'll go with Berbatov we've got the goal there haven't we we all know which goal it was with the yeah. overhead kick uh, you're going with Dimitar Berbatov Dimitar Berbatov it is, uh, it is not correct, I'm afraid. Either of you two guys got well, it's, it's an It's from idea. a corner, right? So it's whoever was uh, taking their I thought it was from a though. deep right-wing cross. So I would say a, 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 poor, a poor right-back. So I don't know, Wes Brown? A right-back would have been my guess, but that's not correct either, although you are correct with the flank. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Half <laughs> point for the flank. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, Wayne Rooney's Valencia. overhead kick in, uh, on the 12th of February 2011. United beat City 2-1 at Old Trafford with a nanny assist. Nanny. Uh, mm. Leading to Rooney's overhead kick. In my head, it's, there's like a knockdown or something, but that's obviously completely wrong. You, it, it's very difficult with the timelines. My first suggestion in my head was going to be Gary Neville, but I think he probably retired by yeah. then. I, I'm not sure. <laughs> Question two. John, it's yours. Rooney. Up towards Ferdinand. Cleared away as far as... Who's placed one for Michael Owen! I think I was at university at this point. So when were you at university? Uh, an undergrad. So between 2004 and 2008. Uh, you might have just finished. I'm going to go with Darren Fletcher. It was September the 20th, 2009, United 4, City 3. Again at Old Trafford. Michael Owen's goal in the sixth minute of added time. It wasn't Darren Fletcher. Believe. Yes, Tim. It was the man with the most assists in Premier League history. Which was? Brian Giggs. Nailed it. Well done. Yes. Tim Spears picking up bonus points left, right and centre. Jo Joey, would you got that? No. Oh, you just say yes. I, I, that's <laughs> fine. When did Giggs <laughs> retire? Probably after that assist, I reckon. He walked off the pitch. He was 40, didn't he? Well, he played for a while, yeah. He did. He did indeed. Uh, well, Tim, it's your question next. Probably don't need a question, but here it is anyway. Volleys it forward brilliantly and puts it on a plate for Sheko. I can see it. It's a low, left-footed, sort of skimmed volley. 
I think, into Jekko's path. <laughs> Very good. So I would uh, say David Silva. Oh, he's nailed it. He's nailed it. It's described here as a sumptuous touch and half volley pass to Jekko from David Silva to make it 6-1. Well, I think Tim is very much the champion there, but there is a bonus one for all of you to have a go. Maybe, Tim, you're just not allowed or you can, you can decide if it's right or not. Uh, for a bonus point, and this is apparently a bit harder, shout if you know it. That's another City corner. Stoppage time, two minutes of it at the end of the first half. A few chances. Killed him by... And turned in by Vincent Company. Manchester City ahead, right on half-time. Cometh the hour, cometh the captain. Some great commentary. What do you reckon, John, Joey? Oh, John's got to the shrugging stage. Man United corner taker. Or Man, Man City. City even. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't yeah. even get that right. James Milner. Frank Lampard. It'll be someone random like that, won't it? Joey? Gareth Barry. Vincent Company's goal on April the 30th, 2012. City 1-1-0. Yeah, no idea. Have a guess, Tim. Corner taker. Uh, yeah, David Silva. Oh, he's gone and got it. He's gone and got it. It was a David Silva corner. Without that company goal, the infamous Aguero moment 13 days later probably wouldn't have happened. And with that, Tim, I crown you assist king of Who Got the Assist? Manchester Derby edition. <laughs> Moving on to something Tim's not good. Oh, no, Tim's really good at this too. It's a predictions. Um, that's your reputation anyway now, Tim. I'm not even sure if it's actually accurate. So what are you going to go for here? The Manchester Derby 2024 edition in March. I think if, if United go embarrassingly defensive, like just so deep and relinquish all notion of attacking, then they can keep the score down. But with all the injuries they've got and their, the rate that they concede shots, uh, it's hard to see anything other than a convincing City win. I would say something like 4-1. He's going 4-1. Jerry? Yeah, 3-0. I, I, I don't see them getting anything out of it. John? 2-1. Two, 2 Manchester City. There we go. No one's giving United a prayer, which is probably fair. Well, from Manchester, we head next to a London derby. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is a paid advertisement from BetterHelp Therapy Online. Do you ever get that feeling that you need to get something off your chest? We all carry around different stresses, big and small. And when we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe place to release and discuss those thoughts and feelings and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, why not give BetterHelp a try? 
It's entirely online and it's designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. All you need to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to match with a licensed therapist. And if things don't click, you can switch to someone new at any time with no additional charge. With over 1,000 therapists in the UK already, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. And because you listen to this podcast, you can get 10% off your first month of online therapy by heading to betterhelp.com slash athleticfootball. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash athleticfootball with no spaces. Probably fair to say one of the lesser spotted London derbies, but it's to North London we go as Tottenham welcome Crystal Palace from the south side of the Thames. Spurs are an interesting case at the moment. I think that's fair to say. They, they were defeated by the Mighty Wolves last time out, Tim. Uh, so is there much Ange Postacoglu would have taken from that to try and find a, a better way this time around? No, I, he's going to play the same way every single week. And he's he's, you know unashamed about that uh so i think he's just learning lessons about who who can do it and who can't right now you know john's mentioned a few times how they've really overperformed their underlying numbers for most of the season you know um helped by son went on a freakish, freakishly good goal scoring run then richarlison went on a freakishly good goal scoring run they had madison probably one of the best players in the premier league for a month or two earlier in the season um, so it didn't matter that they were conceding goals at a steady rate, which is what they're always going to do because the number of chances they give up. So unless, yeah, someone starts freakishly scoring a lot of goals again, then I just think they'll be inconsistent from week to week. You know, logic dictates that they were never going to keep their numbers up for the whole season. So, you know, he's he's finding things out. He's finding out his best 11. He's finding out um, who can do it consistently. Someone like Basuma was great at the start of the season, has now tailed off. Kulisevsky's really hit and miss. Ben Tankor's struggled a little bit since he came back from his injury. Brennan Johnson, inconsistent. And yeah, his motto is to outscore the opposition and that's that's not going to change. But obviously, I think the big question for Spurs is, you know, Daniel Levy really jumped on the Ange bandwagon at the at the start of the season. They had this fans forum thing and he was like, hey, it's Ange. And like getting rounds of applause and stuff like that. It was quite cringe, really. But <laughs> he's, got, he's got to back him in the market this summer. You know, they spent decent money last year, but obviously they sold Harry Kane for 100 million, their greatest ever player. Um, so to be where they are now, I think is really impressive. But they'll they'll need to be he'll need to be backed considerably in the summer because there's a lot of players in that squad that just can't do what he wants them to do. I imagine qualifying for the Champions League would help as well with with the old finances. Do, do you see do you see it as a case of the numbers catching up with Spurs? Yeah, and and interesting hearing Tim talk about some of the players that have been missing because I think against Wolves they were missing both of their fullbacks and their fullbacks play an incredibly important role in the in in, in their system, and they don't have like for like replacements. And I think part of the reason why Spurs have succeeded so much under Andrew Postecoglou because I spent a lot of time in the summer saying this is you know it's not an easy. Um, ask for a manager to move from a back three squad which they had under Antonio Conte to more of a back four squad which is what Ange Postacoglu was was probably going to do part of the reason why it's worked out so well is because the the fullbacks in his system almost play like wingbacks they 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 even play push up into the even the third line of of, of build up they're super far ahead and and the system is designed to accommodate that so it's worked out really well for them on, on one level but the problem is is that when you don't have Poro and you don't have Udogi then you, you, you they, they were playing 
Emerson Royale and uh, Ben Davis. And and those two simply don't offer the same sort of um, uh, upside in and out of possession that that, they're, that that the guys ahead of them in the pecking order do. So, yeah, it's it, it's a case of, of improvements needing to come in the summer in the transfer market. Another area is wide forwards. So, again, because of the moving from a, from a, a back three squad to a, a back four squad, they don't really. They haven't really had any of those really um, aggressive, wide options who can sit on the touchline, isolate themselves against fullbacks, hit bylines, and get the ball back across. Which is the way that the system is designed to help players like Richarlison score. Um, they've been playing Son out there. They've played Richarlison out, out there at times. Kulisevsky's been playing out there when he's not so much for me a, a sort of uh, static explosive dribbler to get around fullbacks. Um, they have brought in Brennan Johnson, but a- again, he doesn't seem to have the ability to to just front up a, a fullback and, and go around him as well. So I think there's there's definitely a massive um, space in, in the in the ceiling space from where they are to, to where they can get but it is going to be it's going to be profiles being brought in and the and the, the downside is is that when you don't have the 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 optimal players in the system this season, then they drop considerably, I think, in terms of how dangerous they can be. I'm interested in your take on Vicario, because I know at the start of the season when they just kept winning, he was posting freakishly good numbers. Is that still the case? Yeah, he's, again, when Tim was talking about like the goal scoring over performance, there's also been a big bump from from the, 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 the goalkeeper as well. So um, we can use a metric called post-shot expected goals, which essentially just assesses the trajectory of the ball once it's been hit and works out the likelihood of, of scoring it. And uh, we can see from that that... Um, that the Vicario was was way over, so he saved you know multiple goals more than you might have expected him to do that. And again, that's that's going to help when you when you're playing this really aggressive style. You're leaving a lot of space, so you are going to be giving up big chances. And I, I I would add Mickey Van de Ven and and Christian Romero to a lesser extent, but Van de Ven can just cover so much space that he's a, just a cheat code in those sorts of scenarios. So they do play a really aggressive style of football when they can cover for the, the the space that they leave open, they, they will win games. But all it takes is for one moment where something goes wrong and you are giving up big chances. So again, it's like a high-risk strategy. And um, another element to even add to that is that, that most managers will will change the way that they're playing on the basis of, of game state. So if they're winning in a game or losing in a game or drawing in a game, you know they'll they'll think, oh, we've got 10 minutes to go. We're one goal up. Let's just sit a little bit further back. Ange Postagoglu is on record saying he doesn't do <sighs> don't, that. Don't, don't, don't do that, mate. Was that your attempt? Uh, it was sort of. It's Sean Dyche. I didn't commit to it's it. It's Sean Dyche, but Australian. So, <laughs> so Sean Dyche speaks like this, right? And he'll say, you know, the, the player here is north keep going, side. John. Yeah, yeah keep going. Then you just have to slowly just add a little bit of Australian in there. And suddenly you've got Ange Postacoglu, mate. I can't believe we're not videoing this. That's quite good, right? That was yeah, I, I absolutely mean, nailed it, John. It's like a Rory Bremner in the race. <laughs> absolutely nailed it. I want more of those over the rest of the pod. Palace are still a bit of a unknown, given Oliver Glasner, their new managers, only had one game in charge. That was a 3-0 win uh, against Burnley last weekend. So there's probably going to be tougher tougher tests. Palace, funny old position, really. Elise's out, no Eze. Uh, Mark Gay is now out as well for a... a six to eight weeks, I think, with a knee injury. Uh, is, is there anyone else who can change a game for Palace at the moment, Tim, do we feel? Oh, blimey. Do we get Jordan uh, Ayew out? Jefferson Lerma, Jordan Ayew. No, not really. I think Ayew's a pretty decent, like, yeah. in terms of, like, the, the base level of Premier League player. I think he can, he can, he's, he is someone who will change a game and he will keep running the whole game and win fouls, but also, you know, pops up and scores goals when they're needed. Yeah, one thing Palace needs to improve is is against the better teams like Spurs. So um, the only times they've scored two or more 
in any match this season in the Premier League. They put three past Burnley last weekend, three past Sheffield United in Jan, three past Brentford, uh, two past Burnley and two past Everton in the first half of the season. The only other two apart from that, they they somehow beat Wolves 3-2 at the start of the season when Wolves were still sort of figuring out what's going on. And of course, at the Etihad, they scored twice because that's what they do. But otherwise, my point is they can't manage more than a goal a game unless the teams they're playing are pretty awful, which uh, suggests, you know, Eze and Lise can overwhelm I guess weaker opposition, but in tight games, they really struggle to control the narrative, especially in midfield. So we'll see what Glasner does and what he's done on the training ground. But that's that's their recent record anyway. I feel like the other thing Palace need to improve is the feeling around the place. Like I, I know a lot of clubs that are in the championship who would love to have had a long run of steady Premier League football. But the problem with having that is it gets a bit dull if you feel like you can't kick on. They're just sort of permanently 12th, aren't they? Actually, I think they're quite a bit lower now at the moment, but it feels like... Well, they're 13th now when they were 11th last season. So right. you, you've averaged it out. On average. Beautifully. <laughs> but there's something like, I think in every year for 10 years, they've been between 44 and 50 points or something like that. They just always get an incredibly they're, similar they're, they're number of points. They're the Birmingham of, points. of the Premier League, basically. Yeah, who have been in the Championship for such a long time. Shall we have some predictions then for uh, Spurs? Hosting Palace. Ah, uh, John, I'll come to you first. 2-1 Spurs. Nice. No clean sheet then. Jerry? I'll go a bit of a new manager bounce. 1-1. Mm. 3-1 Spurs. Uh, right, next we head to the North East. Hi, I'm Ali Maxwell and I'm the host of the Athletic Football Tactics podcast and what we love to do is provide measured detailed analysis of tactical and technical aspects of the beautiful game at the top of the Premier League two points separate three teams it could be the closest and most exciting title race for years for our latest episode we've scoured over those three title contenders to see if we can scientifically suss out who will be crowned Premier League champions in May will it be Man City Liverpool or Arsenal If that sounds up your street, then check out the Athletic Football Tactics podcast wherever you get yours. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Newcastle United host Wolves. That's exciting. Uh, they're all big games, Freddie Howe, these days. Uh, this does feel like another one. Wolves are in really good form. I'm. They only seem to lose when I watch them in person. That's what I've deduced from the last few weeks. Sorry about that, uh, Tim. Uh, they're coming back off their Brighton FA Cup success. Newcastle scraped through, John, against Blackburn, wasn't it? That's right, at Ewa Park. And they're in a curious position, Newcastle. I feel like... Eddie Howe is kind of on the verge of being under real pressure, yet there's just enough each time, just enough. The uh, illusion that I always make when people ask me about Newcastle at the moment is with early Klopp Liverpool, where they came in with the, the, the plan being to be 
really intense and aggressive out of possession and and have that not simply as a way of controlling games without the ball but also scoring goals with the ball as well and obviously that worked really well last season when they were not playing in a, a whole host of other competitions this this season's obviously been slightly different with the introduction of European football as well yeah what we're seeing now is the the, the realization that you cannot simply live on intense football alone and challenge at the top of the league we saw Jurgen Klopp had to make decisions and, and changed strategy in order for Liverpool to become competitive at the top and I think Newcastle are in that same moment now they need to make their decision about how do we um, how do we have a more sustainable way of challenging at the top which isn't just going to burn us out after a, a season. So does that require the same head coach to do that or I feel like I'm being pre- very preemptive here because they're not really are they even in that situation? I mean I think you know, we saw that happen with with Jurgen Klopp. Jurgen Klopp came from the Bundesliga, where he he had been largely playing gig and pressing football, um, but he was able to make those changes. And part of the reason that he, part of the, the the method that he used to change things was was bringing in assistant coaches who were able to bolster them, I suppose, on the tactical side. So it's not always the case, I think, that you have to ditch a manager if you want to try and make these changes. But the big question is going to be if if Eddie Howe can't do that, then is he the right manager for them going forward? And I I would I'll be I'd be sure that the um, the, the board and, and the owners at Newcastle will want to be challenging at the top. They won't be happy for them to stay away from there for too long. So, yeah, he's definitely uh, on, on a timescale for that. Uh, the good news for Newcastle is that they have lost just one of their last eight Premier League home games against Wolves. Uh, that's good news because the bad news is they are winless in their last four Premier League home games. So... They kind of need to do something at St James's Park, Joey. Yeah, they've just been so like open recently. I mean, that, that was it four four with Luton, conceding sort of two, three, four goals in pretty much every game. Uh, they, they just don't look solid at all. And in that first season under Howe, they just were just so solid at the back, conceded very few goals. It it's really is just like watching a completely different team now. And I can see why um, Newcastle fans love Eddie Howe, and you know he's he's been so brilliant in that first year and a half. But he does need some results pretty quickly, I think. I always think of momentum in these situations because they, they had that. Eddie Howe was doing a brilliant job and then that's kind of stalled. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, well, Dan Ashworth is probably going to leave as well. And this big project that everyone was kind of really getting behind, it's possibly stalling. But I, I suppose more to the fact that it's it's sort of coming to a point where it's going to have to reinvent itself a little bit to keep that or gain more momentum again. Yeah, I know what you mean. They've had their initial... Game there, yeah. yeah we had... know I don't ask questions, so that's more of a statement. <laughs> what do you think, Tim? They've had their initial phase and now it's time for, for Newcastle 2.0 I think is what you're saying um, Why not? or yeah. questioning um, I don't, yeah I think Eddie Howe in a normal world has deserved another season and he's probably paying a little bit for overachieving last year and they've had probably the worst injury luck of anyone in the league I think they've probably overtaken Spurs now and Liverpool are giving it a go but you know so yeah it's they're not doing what City and Chelsea did uh, hiring firing and massive overturn of players you know they signed Chris Wood and 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 Dan Byrne for God's sake yeah so I feel like they're looking a little bit more longer term and they'll be sympathetic to the issues he's gone through this season you know we highlighted on last week's show the defensive inconsistency in terms of being able to select the, the chosen back four back five with Nick Pope included so yeah I think it's a real shame for Newcastle that they didn't get a decent FA Cup draw because if they'd have got Coventry at home then you'd be saying well they've got loads to play for still this season but the fact they got Man City away makes that a bit more difficult but I'd still fancy them to get into Europe again which which considering everything that's happened would be a good season absolutely well it's Wolves who have got Coventry and you know Wolves are in great form Tim, and a great opportunity to continue. They'll definitely beat Coventry at home, won't they? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we we don't do very well against bad teams. 
So I really struggled against Sheffield United at home last weekend. It was yeah tough watch. But better against t- better against better opposition where they leave you a bit of room. Does every football fan feel like their team? There's a whole website Norwich City fans will know called Along Come Norwich, where basically um, you know Along Come Norwich and they will end your run for you. Spurs have a saying called uh, Doctor Tottenham. We'll see you now. Yeah, but they then they always beat Pep Guardiola. So so even Man City fans have this. Yeah, unbelievable. Uh, John, I've got a great question here for you. Who would win a race between Pedro Neto and Anthony Gordon? It depends how long the race is, right? How, what, would, what distance would you set it? Um, I mean, I wouldn't. I don't in- engage in such frivolous activities. <laughs> <laughs> All right, how about a prediction then? Newcastle against Wolves. Prediction, Pedro Neto versus Anthony Gordon. Um, I think Anthony Gordon is faster than Pedro Neto. Pedro Neto has had a bunch of knee injuries, so set the set the optimal Gordon distance, and uh, he would win. Uh, in terms of this game, yeah, I, I think this is another one of those games where Wolves will be able to play the underdog and 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 bait the opposition forward and create space for themselves to attack and get away with it again. Uh, I think that this will be a draw two-two. Should have stuck to the Pedro Neto Anthony Gordon race. How yeah. about you, Joey? Uh, I'll go one 0 Wolves. Early goal and then shut up, shut up. Gary O'Neill, master plan continues, Tim. Yeah, they're, as people like to say, they're in a good moment. Uh, the atmosphere at Molyneux Wednesday night was as good as of, I wasn't there, but via the TV <laughs> and via people saying on Twitter. Uh, yeah, as good as it's been for a, a few years, to be honest, since the, since the Nuno days. Um, and they managed to rest Neto and Sarabia. Oh, they both come off the bench, but yeah, they're key chance creators. I fancy us to win 1-0. Oh, dear. Point deducted for use of the word us. Sorry. Uh, well, there we go. That's exciting. Uh, any other business? Uh, there are other interesting games. Anything anyone wants to flag up? Everton have a post-point deduction reduction gate versus West Ham. Will that be galvanised? It was galvanised the other way, though. Is it? Is it the same galvanisation if you're going back oh, up? Oh, that's a good point, actually. They don't need many more points to be properly safe now. The points uh, deduction was reduced from 10 points to 6. So that means... Their chances of being relegated uh, are now just 4.4%, according to Opta. I've seen some Everton fans, they call themselves unflushable. (laughs) Oh, what an image that is. So Villa-Luton, it feels like a big one because if Villa beat Luton, which, you know, they should, I say that now, and if Man City beat Man United, which they should, then that gap is then. So we're assuming fifth place gets Champions League, which looks pretty likely at the moment. Then the gap between Villa and Man United is... 11 points and Villa have much better goal difference so that looks pretty good going with 11 games to go Um, 21 better goal difference yeah so you'd hope the goal difference at least would stay so barring a pretty spectacular collapse that would make Villa Spurs Arsenal Liverpool and uh, Man City the Champions League teams which would be exciting. We're assuming that the fifth place is going to the Premier League. Yeah, which I think um, 82%... It looks like it's going to yeah. unfold that way, doesn't it? I was just looking at that top five thinking there's just a bunch of fun managers in the Premier League right now with like different projects going on, all very different. So you've got Jurgen Klopp obviously leaving at the end of the season, but then Pep Guardiola, Mikel Arteta, people throw them together a lot, but I think they're quite different. Um, and then we've got Emery and uh, Postacoglu. I think it's just a, it's a really fun mix of different coaches, so... You've stopped ahead of sixth place there. Yeah. I'll, I'll, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Stop the fun there. Remember the years of Mourinho versus Benitez? It's better now, isn't it? But don't write it off happening again. We never know. Uh, well, I think we're done for today. Thank you so much, Tim. Thank you. Cheers. Joey, it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. Likewise, John. Yeah, I've had a great time. Uh, good news. Ayo will be back on Monday and uh, we will uh, be back next Friday uh, as usual. Thank you so much for listening. 
You've been listening to the Athletic Football Podcast Weekend Preview. The producer was Mike Stavrou and the executive producer was A.D. Moorhead. To listen to other great athletic podcasts for free, search for The Athletic on Apple, Spotify and all the usual places. The Athletic Football Podcast is an Athletic Media Company production. The Athletic.